Welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Michael Wan. Michael is an independent researcher who has uncovered a dimensional nexus of elite ritual, conspiracy, and the occult, which centers around the Susquehanna River, which starts in New York State as well as the 40th parallel. This story has connections that start with John Dee and the Anakian magic system and extend out to the AI technological singularity. Michael, welcome to the show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here, and particularly on this um, uh, uh, exotic night in the heavens. Yes, it is auspicious, <laughs> as we were talking about. I, got, I dove into your, your world over there this week and pushed it on Twitter a little bit, and your work is remarkable. I just want to start by saying this, because the show's not really in the end about what you're doing in the outer world, but your work's remarkable, really well put together stuff. You're, you're a treasure, loving you right now. Well, thank you. That's, uh, um, <laughs> that's nice to hear. And it's, it's interesting because um, there was a point in my life, like let's say two or three years when that, re- both like the research and then learning how to share it, like to put, it's, it's, it can be so heady. And to put it in a format which um, can hold an attention because it, it, it's, it's detailed and it's in the detail where the real magic is. And so um, that point, though, I haven't been around for like two or three years and it just kind of sat there for a little bit and it's starting to get a little bit of traction. And so it's, it's, it's interesting to just to, to watch that occur. And so I appreciate the, uh, the feedback. but. That almost seems like another time. I mean, everything has shifted so much, you know, personally and collectively, yes. that it's just nuts. It's well, crazy, you know isn't it? How, how much it's changed, or at least it seems oh. it has. But this has become relevant because the Marianne stuff that's uh, being brought up in the French uh, yellow vest uh, protests right now in Paris, there have been a group of, of ladies coming out dressed as Marianne's and you know this stuff's right in right in line with the goddess with what you're talking about so i was loving loving the connections the dot connections there to the timely stuff going on in france actually it's it's yeah it's it's synchronistic you know and (laughs) and i just like to this level it's on this river and and someone just said this to me the other day um there were plans like pre-french revolution to create a replica of Versailles and was going to be a, a refuse for f- the French monarch. Yeah, I mean, there's that, such a strong <laughs> connection, like Marianne and Columbia and, and this, all of this goddess sort of stuff. And I know we don't want to go too off that tangent, but, but it's crazy when, when, when you see how much of a, of a mirror reflection is, is unfolding right now. 
And, you know, I think that this is going to be particularly, for me, it's extremely significant in the birthing of the USA as we know it now. And in on the greater pictures, I'm saying, and as well with this eon we're moving into that is moving towards the make matriarchal eon so it's all it's all right now it's so relevant right now and it's interesting the way you put it together because the towns are all lined up with the names all this stuff was mind-blowing to me in a new way and i'm a dot connector i had just never put my eye over on the susquehanna river well i don't think anyone has i mean Prior to moving here, like, you know, you talked about astrology. So literally on the month, my Uranus opposition went direct, like zero degrees, uh, like zero degree orb. Um, I move into this apartment in Marietta, Pennsylvania, and I'm on the Susquehanna River. I must have driven it over it a thousand times in my life beforehand because I, I grew up in the, in the, in the mid-Atlantic. And, well, and I'm a, I, I'm a curious guy. I'm a dot connector. And it never occurred to me to know anything about, um, about this river. I don't even think I even knew it's, you know, how to pronounce its name. I, ever, I never heard anyone actually say it. And I moved here, and it was, you know, on paper, this is my Uranus opposition. In reality, it was a Uranus opposition. And so it was like, I'm cracking open, and like all this stuff is just like hitting the and, and I'm like, hey, what's this river doing? And friggin' Wikipedia is where it all unfolds. I mean, feel, that's feel that's free to swear, the, by the way. <laughs> Speak yeah, freely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you uh, know what? One, Michael. One of the things that I found interesting is a majority of my family is in Marietta, Georgia, and then my significant major uh, patron of my of my of my life, really, of my art is from Marietta, Ohio. So it's like, what is this? What I, is this? I was just in Marietta, Ohio this summer. It's right by the Serpent Mound. Relatively yes. near it. Yes. So was Jane, or uh, uh, Leonidas was up there too, remember? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. These things just, you know, once you're on the synchronicity roll, once you're open, which to me in the greater sense is kind of like almost like the breath of the breath of God, you know, or, or the goddess or however you want to do it. It's there's something about how these thoughts start connecting. And it's it's and this is what we talk about next Sunday. This is really the core of so much that's going on is this stuff is is completely interrelated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You just need a place to dive in and like yes. wh whatever, whatever your home is, whatever your interest is, whatever you're naturally drawn to, that's your point of reference to like, okay, what am I comparing to? Where am I seeing these synchronicities? And you just recognize, no, that's my mirror. And, and when you start to line it up and you start to like link in with a greater mirror, then you're like, okay, there's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a dynamic. And that's, that's a lot of where this work for me has, has gone as um, it is this recognition of, um, of the relationship of inside of, you know, our body, whatever the hell that is, 
and the outer world. And it's not so much like we're creating the, 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 the outer world or the outer world's creating us. It's this dance and it's, yeah, there are people who are messing with it and there's like, I'm messing with it. And we're becoming more and more and more aware, aware of um, the realness of Yes, absolutely. It, and on a big level, on a collective level right now, which is what's super exciting because we're, we're going to start seeing this rippling effect, I believe. And it's, it's, it's starting already, especially as we look at the astrology of everything. There is some sort of... Sorry. It's Mercury retrograde, by the way, people. So there's lots expect of, the gremlins. There's lots of connection yeah. issues between the, the Zoom servers and you guys. It's interesting. Well, let's let's talk about your early life, Michael. No, that was actually good, Jerry, because we can just get right into this portion. So tell us about the world, the earliest stuff you remember that sticks out, that it just pops right up, including dreams or even pop culture like cartoons and all that stuff. Did you have a relationship with nature, all that? So um, that's really interesting. Thank you, Brad. Uh, really starting about seven or eight years ago, um, my memory of my life prior to that has begun to, um, I don't know if it's faded or if I'm seeing it from a different perspective. And it almost feels like I'm looking at pictures. Um, and so my memories of my early childhood have changed. Uh, which is unusual. I don't know what that means. I'm just saying, like, I know I used to remember differently. It's a Mandela effect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know what it is, you know. But as it relates to my childhood, what, it, what it's enabled me to do is look at it from a different lens. And so I was born, um, I, I, was, I was born and I lived the first four years of my life in Columbia, Maryland. And I moved to Virginia for three years. And then I lived in Columbia, Maryland again until I graduated high school. And I think this is an important thing. There are, I appreciate this opportunity because I wanna express a little bit of, of how I've looked back at, um, at, at my story, if anything, as maybe a, a model of inspiration for other people to examine themselves. But so this, this town I grew up in, Columbia, Maryland, in the most literal sense, like there's no exaggeration about this, it was, it was created as a social science experiment. And it was funded by some of the biggest names out there. And that's part of Columbia's history. We're like, we are, we are this, it, it was found in the early 60s. And it's not really like that anymore, but this was its, its, its beginnings. Uh, it's, it was found in the late 60s. And um, it was particularly for the, the mid-Atlantic at that time, it was, it was this, this, this open basket for any type of what would be thought of as a non-conservative mid-Atlantic viewpoint. So it attracted all of all of these different types of of people uh for whatever reason whether because i need this this is the only place i can live or this is a value system which i i participate in 
And so it was created as a magnet and it was literally funded by the Rockefellers. It was, when you look back in history and you see like where we are now and how much of the social, the social norm or at least the social norm which is being presented um, by a system, you know, it, was, it, it had some roots in Colombia in, in the 70s. And I grew up in that. I grew up in the 80s, so I, I, it was a little bit more refined. But I look back at my childhood, and like I don't have any memories of anything particularly nutty happening. But I'm like, I know enough about how things work that this impacted my, um, you know, my consciousness. I came in as myself, but then when you are in a culture, you are going to be shaped by that culture. And this culture was, was uh, which I first participated in, or was first exposed to, was, was certainly um, designed. I did not know this, actually, about Columbia, Maryland. So the, the, Ro- the Rockefellers and... All, so, I, I, this is all new to me. This is amazing. Well, I'm no, having like, no one tells the story, but if you go and you just like, if you got the right lens, you just read the history. And it's like you, you read about the, the, quite literally, Columbia is the model first planned city. And it was everything about its establishment is like, you know, it's, it's, it reads of a spy novel, like how all of this land between Baltimore and Washington was accumulated. And what I think is the most interesting thing is before any um, before any dirt was was turned for construction, like before any of that, for a year, there were like 40 of the top social scientists from around the globe and all these different sort of things. And they came together and they like came up with ideas like, oh, well, if I'm going to go and create a utopia, this is what it would be. And they were known as the work group. And they came and they created this thing and like they tried stuff out. So, so they had this idea. That's where it came from. And the developer, the developer, James Rouse, he, um, uh, and I'm not even going to go down his, his path, but it's so interesting. But he got his funding from Chase Manhattan Bank from the official approval from David Rockefeller himself. So it's not like David Rockefeller wrote a check out of his personal checkbook. But they did know each other because Rockefeller had um, had had received a proposal from from this developer before for another type of planned community. So we've got that that. But the real push came from the guy who was the head of um, what's now known as Sigma Insurance, and it was called something else. And it was called like Connecticut Life. And this guy was like a huge player. His name was Fraser Wild. If you're familiar with Columbia, Wild Lake is named for Fraser Wild. And he was the head of, of Connecticut Life. And he, he was a, 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 a consultant to the Federal Reserve Bank. I mean, this guy was a heavy hitter, council relations sort of guy. And what, what his real passion was, and like what he did, which really made him a, um, a, uh, a giant in the world of business is he pushed and introduced this idea of corporate campuses. So like before that, like humans were looked at as automations. I put them in the machine and I get as much out of it with the human resource. And then it tweaked a little bit and they're like, well, if I change my conditions, I can get more, I can get more of a, um, of a output from, from, the, from the automatons. 
And so that was applied. And I mean, there's, I'm, I'm telling that kind of like in a, in a, in a swarmy way, you know, there's, however you get to it, that's what was done. And they created these campuses. And what Wilde understood was the power of environment. He understood what architecture, what certain things, what colors, what shapes, what am I going to go and do to get a certain outcome from this resource? So this is the mindset. And so that's the money. That's what gave the green light of what became this, 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 you know, right now it's probably just your normal, like, uh, it's always on the top of, of money magazine, 10 pl best places to live. Um, but it's like a small hundred thousand person edge city eh, or suburban sort of city place, you know, right between Baltimore and Washington. And interestingly enough, it's like 10 miles away from the NSA headquarters. I always thought that was kind of pretty. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just, I'm just, I'm now curious actually what, what actual organizations are right there or, I mean, of course it's right there in the seat of everything, but what might actually everything. It is. And uh, so yeah. I was, I was just wondering, now I want to go down this rabbit hole and really connect all of that with the idea of this was pretty much a planned community by Rockefeller. Well, um, I don't, if I were to guess, if it, this is just like me, this is me just kind of like reading something and like having a certain understanding of how I think things work. Um, this was funded. They were interested. The report came in. Like the people who, however, however, the actual decisions happen that that make you know agendas unfold into culture. Like however, these like one hundred and two hundred year plans are actually executed. Those people read this, and they probably had this and and many other testing things, and and they tested ideas, and they tested ideas because there's an outcome, and there's an outcome to drive to drive culture a certain way. It's always been this way and it's becoming, you know, more and more refined and we're seeing that right now. They're 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 different they're different techniques, you know, you got the you got the iron fist or you got the iron fist with the velvet glove on it. But, you know, it's all about your I'm going to control and I'm going to I'm going to shape. So when you you moved away after you were 4 and then came back, why why did you move away? Why did your family move? Uh my dad's job. So my father was um, my father was a public relations executive for the biggest technology company on the planet at that time. Oh wow! So this is significant. I mean, I've got weird connections. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. I got weird connections. I don't have um, I don't have memories. I don't. I'm like you know. I don't remember being being um, anything ever happening to me, but. I've read enough books, you know, yes. I know, I know what a profile looks like. And that doesn't necessarily mean that every, everything that fits the profile is, is, you know, something that's been particularly um, tampered with. But um, uh, usually when you see something's been tampered with, you're going to fit a profile. And I'm going to, I'll drop one more bomb for you if you really want to hear one. Bomb away. Um, are you familiar with the Edgewood Arsenal um, testing? I'm not, Jer. Are you familiar with MK Ultra? Yes. Yes, okay. of course. <laughs> of course, of course. So, so MK Ultra is kind of like you know, uh, imagine like the Brady Bunch. Who's the Brady? Everyone knows. Let's say, let's say Marsha. Like and they're like these five other Bradys. You got, you got Jan. Jan's like, what about me? And so it's 
like you always got the spotlight and there are the other five sisters or the, or the yes. other, the others. Okay. So Edgewood is one of those. And Marsha is, is MK ultra, like the DIA, they had their own, every, every <laughs> silo had their own sort of, um, like Brookhaven. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so Edgewood, if you were to go and just do like a 30 second search on like Edgewood mind control, uh, Edgewood is known because there was a lawsuit brought against it and it was, it was like publicly exposed in a little bit of a different way than MK ultra, like MK ultra was, was exposed through Freedom of Information Act sort of stuff and, and censoring. Yes. Whereas this, I think, came from like uh, maybe a lawsuit. I'm not an expert. Regardless, so this is what I was going to say. Um, like five years ago, 10 years ago, my mom says to me, she's like, you know, I, I used to work at Edgewood Arsenal and my boss used to do these <laughs> tests with cannabis, with, with marijuana on people. I'm like, mom, you were the secretary of the mind control scientist. I mean, this is before I was born. I'm like, did they, make awesome. you sign a, did they make you sign a contract? And she's like, I don't remember. I don't think they did. I'm like, seriously, you have to remember. We need to get to see the, the final print because that was before I was born. And I don't want to know. Well, this makes me ask, a, this brings up a question to something you said earlier that I found actually rather provocative. Okay. You said you remember differently now. Yes, I remember differently. Um, and so could you elaborate on that? Um, so this is, I'm going to explain this experientially. Um, I kind of remember who I, used to, who I used to be. And at some point I stopped being that person. And I'm not really certain when, where, how and in this life yeah okay like, like 10 years ago okay well some people remember <laughs> other lives I mean, it's an honest like, question yeah yeah no I, and i appreciate that that clarification because um i like to talk about weird stuff but i'm always going to try to ground it in the most tangible reality because it's so friggin weird that the only way I can navigate it is through things which I can, I can touch with my, my, my basic senses, you know, like I know that that happened. I can, that's why I joke about Wikipedia is because Wikipedia is given to us as like the, the baseline source of information. So if you can find truth in that, you're finding real truth because you're like, we're letting you know this, but if you can put it together and that's all of the stuff I'm saying about Colombia. I mean, it's. It, this I, is I, why your videos are so good, by the way. And that was a total synchro for me now because I was just talking to Laura London on Facebook, and I looked something up on on Wikipedia, and I said that Wikipedia is the controller of all the reality parameters. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. But but the good news is, guess what? You know what the parameters are because most of the shit in this world. You have no idea what those parameters are. I mean, I think about this all the time. It's Conversely, like, Wikipedia is editable. So, just FYI. Well, yeah. I mean, you said this before. You, so below, you said right? this before about space. You said, when I look out in space, I think it's something other than what we think it is. And I apply that to almost everything. I don't think Wikipedia is what, I mean, yes, that's a, that's a story, but there's so much more. And the fact that it's editable 
and the fact like this is the dynamic which I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. It can still be navigated and and anything of significance if you're a researcher needs to go and and all Wikipedia can do is like point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. It's usually pretty well cited and you can go to those sources and go down those paths. Absolutely. But um it what's nice about Wikipedia is you know that this is what they want you to know or what's been approved to know. And you also recognize the stuff that disappears. You're like, oh, that wasn't supposed, I should have screenshotted that. But, so, but, but, and then, so back, I just want to get, I don't want to lose this idea of your, okay. you remembering differently. Okay, thank you, because I will jump all over the place. Um, you and Jerry will have us in, in Canada soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, probably in my mid 30s, um, like I was always normal, but I always wasn't normal. I mean, I imagine most people feel that way. Like, you know, you're like, you fit in. Like, you know, I always had friends. I was popular. Um, I, was, I was doing the things that I should be doing. And then I just kind of stopped doing that. And that started in my 20s. What I mean by that is like, you know, maybe career stuff. And like, you know, I used to be really into that world. And you start when... I start to look back at the companies I worked at during that time is, is really interesting considering what's going on in this world right now. But I stopped being that person. I don't know why. I just know that I did. And it always felt, I always felt like present, but at some point a, 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 um, a, a turn a corner was was turned. Is that the phrase? Whatever that phrase would be about a corner, well, I did it. Yes. And it began with um, just one day I started making art. And if you see maybe in the the um, the wall behind me, like for like three years, I just started making these these collage pieces, and that's all I did. And and people are like, where did the, what what like where's this coming from? And then as soon as that really started to show itself. Then I was like, no, I'm going to switch to something else. And I started, and it started with this idea of, of a museum quality walking stick. And next thing I know, I started making these like really interesting um, and, and fantastic tools. And I didn't know what they were or where they were for. I just knew what to do. And I started making these leather bags. And like all of this stuff was happening. I'm like, this feels the most normal thing in the world. Like, why would not anyone do this? Like you just take the leather and you cut it here and you sew here and like there's a bag. Like, ugh. but I recognize that wasn't the case because not everyone was doing. It. And as I was doing that, I could see different sort of like my relationship. I became a father during this time, so so there's that impact. And then my relationship with my then wife it was starting to change, and all of the relationships were starting to change. And it didn't feel like I was changing. But I could see everything changing around me, but I was doing more things. And then um, some, somewhere in that time, and the time I moved out of the house I was living with my, my, my then wife, that's when, the, that's when I, I stopped remembering. What year was that? The, Twenty fifteen, I would say, but the 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 art, the art is where it really began. Um, was uh, twenty ten, 
And at that time, I was I was researching everything you could imagine. I was uh, everything conspiratorial, everything psychological, everything spiritual, everything like anything you could imagine that could be researched. Like I didn't go that deep, but I did it deep enough that I got a feeling for all of these different sort of things, and all of this, and all of this stuff just starts pouring out of me. This is uh, this is how I, I I mean I'm an artist too and I feel like and and when people say well what do you do it, it's like I, I do anything I'm interested in <laughs> it's so I so, say you know I wood carve I do fiber arts I paint I study painting book arts it just depends on what I'm interested in cooking's a, a fucking art hello you it's, know so what what you're describing is a skill set yes skill set is learning how to tune into the frequency which we call artist. And what it is, is learning it, how to allow whatever that artist thing is to flow through you so you can do whatever you want to do. And it's yes. like, that's the most literal thing. Like, I'm not exaggerating. You're not exaggerating. It's like, I could do it to cooking. I could do it to gardening. I yes. could do it to anything because I just know how to do it. And that's a skill set. There was once a time I couldn't do it, and now I can. Uh, and see, I feel, and my stance has always been on this, I feel that this is a skill set that is available to anyone if they tune into it, into this frequency. And I think that that's... I think if you just, well, I'm sorry. Uh, the, please, please. I just wanted to say, though, that I've had a lot of hobbies, things I'd like to get into, and I, I will really dig into that and focus on learning that skill before it becomes boring and I'll move on to another one. But, but yeah, I totally get that. It's just takes, it's just a, it's a mindset more than anything. The, and I'm, I'm suggesting the mindset is the skill. Yes. Mindset <laughs> is the skill. And I believe that, that that's something which, which we should be trained on because the other stuff will take care of itself. I mean, just as you said, like you will joyfully do the thing which you want to do in the way which is natural for you. Some people, I don't want anyone telling me how to do it. I want to make it up. But other people, they're like, I need to want, I want to go and read this, and I want to learn it that way. It doesn't matter. Like whatever your system is, like learning how to do that. Like we're stepping into that time as we're seeing this window close, which is like the the what we're spending more time in front of the screen. It's like you can't <laughs> spend time in front of the screen and do the other stuff. Right, right. Well, and this is this is one of the the this is I think one of the great cruxes of this time too, there is something about crossroads when we start talking about where our, our energy, our mind energy flows. Yeah. And this could tie back into so much stuff. So speaking of tying back, let's get back to you as a, a small kid and in, right. in these pictures of your early life. So I've got memories. Um, like my I, I my memories are 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 of of um they feel like pictures. I'm looking at pictures. Like I almost think like, is this a memory of me looking at a photo album? Um but the first one I have is is on the fourth of July with my family and we were sitting in the wrong direction. And my mom telling my dad, uh um uh Al I don't think this is where we're supposed to be watching the fireworks. So I was in Columbia, like watching the fireworks was a big deal. And I don't know what, I don't know that interaction. That's just a feeling, but I remember facing the wrong way. And then I think at some point we found where the fireworks are, but that's my earliest memory. That, 
And um, I can remember going into, uh, I can remember going into my aunt's, my aunt's Christmas party. And if you can imagine the movie Goodfellas, do you remember the movie Goodfellas? Yes. And remember- Did you see like, the little paw sticking out of the grill there? I love that scene. Love that scene. Well, do, do you you know the, the when it shows them in the nightclub? I believe it was the Copacabana. It shows them in the nightclub, and there, there's that famous scene where like it's that long shot. And he goes and and he introduces. He says, "This is so and so, and this is so and so." That's like one of my favorite cinematic pieces. But imagine the energy of that of that nightclub. So he, I can remember being. I was, I was tall enough to walk, but short enough that my head would be underneath my mom's butt. And walking into like this row house in Baltimore, and it just feels like this bright red light and like darkness and smoke and like 50 drunk people like having the time of their life. And I'm this little kid and they're just like, Mikey. And I just remember hiding. And I was like, I can't hand. I, I, got a, I got a cancer rising and a really, really, really sensitive moon. Like that sort of like attention on me is hardcore. What's your moon? Uh, well, it's, it's Gemini moon, but it's 12th house. And it's oh, squared, oh, yes. And squared Mars in the ninth house. Oh, my. Oh. <laughs> and so it's That's like funny, I'm I, that's the interesting. I, I'm not going to yeah. sidetrack you and all that. But <laughs> very interesting. Um, that was part of the whole like memory kind of changing was really taking an understanding of my own chart um, from a new lens. It's like I'd been studying my chart for, I don't know, like at least five, 10 years before that to varying degrees, you know, all self study. And I would really focus on the things I'd want to focus on. Like I got four planets and Sag. No one loves Sag more than Sag. Um, and Sag, so, Sag is a great teacher too, though. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, Sag is. Yes, Sag is. And so, and and it's ninth house Mars. If 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 you do your 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 math correct. <laughs> um, and so I spent some time just like you know learning my chart, but really learning like the 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 easier parts of it and then right when all the shift was happening um i was also learning the 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 less comfortable parts of my chart and there was a resistance at first i'm like that's not me and then i'm like is that me and so that would be all of the implications of like you know not just a 12th house moon but a 12th house moon with a cancer rising meaning like you know it's the it's the ruling planet of the rising sign and that's just a big deal in astrology you know if you're, if you're not yeah oh yeah it's very big deal and so so yeah and i started seeing that in my chart and i'm like is this real and then i'm looking at myself and i'm looking at my life and i'm like this is friggin' real and then you get into this 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 um it's 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 it What's is, your sun and what house is it in in your natal chart? Uh, Sagittarius in the fifth house. Okay. <laughs> Conjunct Jupiter. <laughs> and uh, Mercury's in, in Sag in the fifth house, and so is Neptune. And so, all right, wait, let's, let's get this, let's go back. All so, right. 
in this in these early snapshots of your life and mm-hmm. also so in this in this early period did you have a relationship with nature is it you were kind of a city boy so i wouldn't call columbia city i would call columbia suburban and but it, it's manicured suburban it's mm-hmm. not like i mean there were there were open spaces and yes yes i definitely had i had experiences with the natural world um I had experiences with the natural world in the environment which it was available to me. It's not like we were a camping family. Um, yeah. But there were open spaces, and I was always in open spaces, and I was very at home in the creek. And I, I've always been like a stone collector, and and uh, I mean, not, for for what I had, I was I was very much in nature. Yes, I was. I so you're drawn to it, yeah, and to the nature that was there. I mean, some people especially these days are completely detached from the natural world. And, and I think the deeper into uh, this particular timeline we're on, it's, it's increasingly so. Also, so in this period, do you remember being a child that dreamt a lot? Michael? Now I'm back, can you hear me? Yeah, do you remember being a child that dreamt a lot? I don't re I know that dreams were very important to me. So I have to assume that I dreamt a lot, but I don't remember any of my dreams as a child. Well, that's all right. What's significant there is that you say they were important to you. So you were thinking about what was going on with them. Yes. Yes. And my entire life, my entire life, I've always had, um, I've always held a great reverence for the dream world. When so back here in the early days, did you within so kind of and all this? Did you have fears like the, the standard ones under the bed, the closet, the dark, any of that stuff? Oh yeah, I was just talking about this yesterday. Synchronicity zinger. Um, <laughs> so I had I had three. These are the three ones which I can really remember. So I have a memory. And so this is when I was in Richmond. So I had to have been between, I couldn't have, I was younger than first grade. And there was a, um, a Bible book, like a children's Bible book in our household. And it was light blue. And it had a picture of, um, I'm pretty certain it was Abraham. And he was going to sacrifice whatever son he was going to sacrifice. He was on this like stone bed. And I remember, like, as a kid, I'm like, what is this going on? <laughs> so that always caused me, I don't know if that was a fear, but that is one of the few memories I hold. And so I know that had to have been significant. Mm-hmm. I had a great fear of the albino from, um, from Foul Play. If anyone oh, can yeah. remember the movie Foul Play, that albino freaked me out like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. And then there was a made-for-TV movie called Salem's Lot. I yes. Mean, this is like 82, 83. It was scary. And there were like, these two kids floating at the window. Yeah. It was creepy. <laughs> like, it was creepy scary, though. It wasn't just scary. You obviously remember Trilogy of Terror, too, with Karen Black. Karen Black is so hot. <laughs> I just remember those two floating kids. And my parents would bring back, like, the, uh, um, uh, the, 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 I, blindfold that you would wear when you would take a long flight 
And I used to sleep with them as a kid because I was so terrified of being able to see the floating, the floating, um, the floating um, uh, uh, children from Salem's Lot. And when you think about that, let's go to like Hollywood is magic. Like, how did that get in my psyche so strong? Like, you know, that's powerful stuff. And I'm not the only one who did. Who no, did. Salem's Lot was genuinely for me. I'm guessing you're a Gen Xer, obviously. Yeah, it's born 71. And so am I. So, yeah, there we are. We're right See, here in the same period. This is why I think Stephen King is a, a programmer. Of the system. Salem's Lot was so freaking scary. And in particular, what sticks out for me is the friends floating outside the window, tap, tap, tap. That scene has never left me. Never. To this day. I I got the same hypnosis. It went in the same place. Like, however they got that to link. I know. You know, wherever I give my four points, like, job well done, you know. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's, that's really great, Michael. That's really great. Did and so on that note, were you attracted to like horror and sci-fi and any of that stuff a little bit later on? Never, never. Um, as a child, I was as a like teen, like really preteen. My father and my sister were really into um, into uh, um, horror film, and obviously the age which I was growing up, like probably from like nine to like 12, 13, like the biggest thing to do for kids in the suburbs was to watch HBO on, on, um, on the brand new cable that just came into the block. Yes. And everyone would, just, <laughs> all they would do is watch these horrible horror films. Like, you know, My Bloody Valentine, mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> I'm Gonna Kill You Tomorrow, whatever they're called. And like, they were, and like I would watch them, like I'd come along, like I wasn't gonna be the guy, I wasn't gonna be the only one who wasn't who who would who wouldn't watch it, but that that shit fucked me up. I did not like it. I it definitely was was very very um, uh, it was not a psychological fit. You know, for me it was I've never been a slasher person, so I still I still don't need those images in my head, and I look away. But the psychological horror has always. Affected has always attracted me in strange, a strange way. Oh, it's just, I agree completely. You know, terrifying on a psychological level. Just, I don't know. And my art today still still mirrors that kind of early programming. Speaking of psychological horror, what's your relationship with psychedelics? Um, mild, I would say. I've uh, I've been to Peru, and that was a big part of this change. Uh, and I went to an ayahuasca retreat. I've done ayahuasca four times. I've probably done mushrooms maybe less than like 15 times. And I think they, ayahuasca pretty much, you, you had the breakthrough experience you needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So do you experience the elves that they talk about? The elves? No. Machine not ayahuasca, elves. I don't think. SDMT, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I ask you, you meet the the mother, right? The, the, the female entity. Uh, well, what was your experience with that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's that. That's um, a whole show in and of itself. So, um, are you interested in like personal growth, or interested in like crazy story? In visuals Both. that you saw. I'd rather hear the crazy story. 
<laughs> but that's me. <laughs> Wait, but that's what wraps around the visuals of what what went on. So, I I was strained. Like I don't. I've got more of a feeling sense visual. It's hard to explain. Like I think we all have. Um, we all have a unique sort of inner world experience. And I would describe mine as not so much visual as much as like experiential. Like I can remember there was a big part of um, my, my ayahuasca experience that I was, I was walking in a maze. And, um, and there were visuals, but it was more of the experience that it felt internally of walking in the maze. That was really where my um the strongest part of my my visceral experience was it was did you did you encounter other beings other life Mm -hmm. yes what were those experiences what were they uh um well uh aliens um you know i want to hear that (laughs) i want to hear what the aliens i want to hear about the aliens all right so um so i went through this real kind of um this was this was my final ceremony and the whole week had just been like this absolute ride of like ups and downs and like going into the final ceremony i i was the pariah of the ayahuasca community you know it takes a lot to be the guy who freaks out all of the (laughs) ayahuasca participants (laughs) but um i became the pariah and you're in a very, very open, vulnerable space when you're going through this, when you're going like um, ceremony rest, ceremony rest. And like everything you're doing is really to, to delve in deep into the inner world. And so I went into this final ceremony and just like this, I was almost, I was in this mode, like I didn't even care anymore. But at the same time, not like in a defeated sense, it's like, I don't care what's coming. I'm just going to go and keep doing it. And I'm going through all of this sort of stuff. Like that's what the maze was part of it. And um, there's some other things that happened. And then I was experiencing, it was the most real experience um, it was, I was having. And I was, I was aware of where I was physically, but I was also aware of where I was not physically. Um, and they felt very much the same, but I was on a, um, like an alien surgical table. It was, it was strange. I, I don't have alien experiences in my memories. And it was the most clear thing I ever experienced. And um, it felt like they were doctors. It felt like they were doctors. Um, and it did, not feel, it did not feel intrusive. It didn't feel like I was being probed. It felt more like I'd been born, maybe. Um, like I was cared for as you would, um, uh, uh, like as a child. And then I just remember purging. Were you still, so when you say I through all of this, was it still associated with your persona of who you are, Michael, in this, in this reality, or was it a bigger you? It was just experience. It was like awareness. It was consciousness. Yeah, that's so, that's what I was expecting to hear about. You know, I don't know. Sometimes people's egos are so hard to shed and persona and all that. It's I just want to clarity there. Yeah, yeah. And and I think it's, you know, I know who I am. I know I know my name and and it's like there is there is a tie to that. And and um 
And that was definitely part of that experience as well. Like, you know, it was very personal to like, you know, the guy who's at astrology I know. Did, okay, and just for a little bit of, of background here too, were you raised religious? No, I was not raised religious. Um, I was raised, I was living in Colombia because my parents were of two different religions and um, they had to elope because um, my mother was disowned. Yeah. And, and so, and she was raised in an Orthodox Jewish household in Baltimore. And my father was raised in a, a, a Lutheran or Methodist, you know, that shows you how little I know um, household he, um, in Baltimore also. And so when we lived in Columbia, um, there was like, my mother had a reason to, um, to, to kind of, she, she felt betrayed by, by the, her religion, let's say. So there wasn't a strong desire to pass anything on to me from her end. And then from my father's side, there's, there wasn't really much. So like, you know, I, I know, I know a little bit of both sides of the religious story. In fact, I've learned a lot. Um, I've learned a lot, uh, um, I mean, I did go to Hebrew school, so I did. What am I thinking? I did. We didn't go to. We didn't go to. <laughs> we didn't go to synagogue, but I did go to Hebrew school, and did so you? that. So it wasn't religious, but I have an understanding. No, and that's good. I think yeah. that and it serves, you know, in in a great way too. It serves in dot connecting. So much is tied into the Hebraic stuff, especially when we're looking at blueprints of of civilization this, yeah i mean there's just so much there i think it's i think that was probably a gift well it certainly is a strong knowledge base oh yeah yes. that's for certain hebrew school um, kicks kicks the ass of any catholic grade school upbringing when, when i say hebrew school i mean like sunday school i know called hebrew so it's like i didn't go to like i didn't go i to, know uh, i know exactly oh, what you mean gotcha. yeah gotcha okay good so where did you end up landing in in the spirituality sector? What where you are you mean? now with it? Like, where are you now with all of that? With with religion? With religion? Um, yeah. Well, I think religion is religion holds many functions, uh, uh, and it's probably. Uh, right now, it's best for me to understand um, mythologies uh, or or programming, which we're seeing happening um, by understanding the stories. I'm thinking mostly like you know, and the Judeo-Christian sort of um, uh, understanding um, spirituality. I um, it's important to me to recognize how I connect into something bigger than what I'm in. So mm -hmm. my understanding and my approach has a lot to do with the recognition in a very, very practical way of, um, of being part of something greater. And the spiritual aspect is the ways of um, strengthening those connections. 
And so to me, that's that, I mean, it's, it's a big question, but like in a simple way um, or an easy way to articulate is, and this is all the Susquehanna mystery sort of stuff, and this is what I learned from that, is one is the understanding of the, the, the environment we're in. So like when you're talking about nature, like, and, and what we said earlier, like recognizing that nature is way more than what we think it is. And then secondly, understanding our placement in the known macrocosm or, or the heavens or like, you know, the viewable, the viewable outer space, whatever that may be. Well, I, and, and uh, I always ask that question, but I just wanted to, in light of the work you've done, especially with the Susquehanna stuff, there was no sense of preachiness, which I really appreciated. And it allowed for, although I don't have baggage there, I just let stuff like roll off my back but there I didn't sense a narrative that you were pushing towards a religious sort of you know get right with God kind of stuff that can happen with some of these dot connecting type uh, documentaries and people presenting information about especially the early foundation of stuff that's gone on that it's thrown into the Masonic pool and all that. Well, well, thank you for recognizing that. And that was, that was very purposeful. Um, there was, uh, I mean, I certainly have my own opinions. And when I present the information, I try to remove my opinions as much as, as, much as possible. Um, and just provide facts and you know it's a narrative and like you know that's all it is is like look at these look at these dots yes um to me though um and and that's very much how i mean you can't study conspiracy and for 15 years or 20 years and and discover something like this without having you know a certain perspective um but when you get past the story when you get past that like really sexy like you know conspiracy aspect and when you get like maybe through a little bit of like the 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 woo-woo mystical you you come to this question at least i did which is like well why would this work (laughs) what (laughs) what did they know about our environment that is not being shared with us Mm -hmm. and from that line of thinking and that's why i say like you know I don't think, I don't, it's, it's not as Pisces and it's funny because I got a Mars in Pisces, but it's, (laughs) it's my, my, my approach to spirituality is more Venus and Capricorn. You know, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's recognizing like spirituality is just the, the non-physical description of how we, how we work with these environments, which we have found ourselves in. Mm -hmm. And to me, I believe the teachings of spirituality line up 100% perfectly with what I'm suggesting. It's just, um, it's just look at it, looking at it as more of like almost like it. I don't mean this to, to sound negative, but like, you know, a mechanical way. What are the mechanisms? Of right. Like, why would this work? You know, okay, well, you know, you know, belief is important. Well, what is belief? You know, what does, what is the emotional world? What does like words like love mean? Like, what does that feel like? Like, what, what are you thinking inside? What are you, what is your posture? How are you breathing? Like all of these different sort of things. Like that's, 
that's what I find interesting. That's, that's, that's where I put a lot of my focus and attention. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I, and I appreciate when I encounter that. It, it's, it's so many people are really pushing. There's just a, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. I want, so I want to dive into the dream landscape with you and how you experience it now. What, what does it look like? What is the landscape like? How do you experience it? Is there sensate stuff, tactile? What's Uh, going on? That's an excellent question. Um, So good news, bad news. We'll do bad news first. Bad news is I don't remember a lot of my dreams. Good news is this. The dreams I remember, I'm like all over them. Like It's like Christmas morning, right? It's like, I remember the dream. So I can answer those questions. Um, <laughs> I just had one, I had maybe a couple days ago, um, I had a dream where I was unable to open my eyes in the dream, but I was able to feel it physically. So there's like this sleep paralysis type thing. Like, like I, I could feel it in my body. I really can't open my eyes, but I'm dreaming I can't open my eyes. And that was an unusual dream experience for me. And it was very, very tactile. And it was very, very kind of material. Did I lose you? She's digesting or she dropped off. Or she's muted. No, I, I just, I clicked the wrong thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you said open your eyes, this, let me get clarity on that. You okay. realized you could open your eyes within the dream. Um, that's an excellent question. All I know is I was not able to open my eyes. So whatever the, the lead up to me needing to open my eyes, I'm not certain, but my sense is I wanted the dream to end. So that experience is common for, it's, it's like what leads up to you leaving your body? All right. In a lot of cases, when people want to like astral projection, they'll get into mm-hmm. that state when they can then leave their body. FYI. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I want to put a little, little asterisk and we can come back to it if you're interested. I, sure. got a, I, got a, I got a pretty interesting astral projection story for you, my friend. But, okay. but, keep, but keep asking the questions about the dreams. Yeah, we'll get to that. And I'm marking for sure. I'm glad you have one. So when the dreams that you do recall, uh, is, there, is it color? Are you able to smell or read when you're presented with glyphs? Um, my dream world is a feeling dream world. So it, it really is other senses coming in. Right. And that. it's... It's, it's almost hard to, um, uh, and in a lot of ways, it's, it's kind of like how I was describing ayahuasca. It's, uh, I don't necessarily have the vocabulary to describe the experience I have. Um, there's, there's, a, there's an experiential quality to it that I feel both emotionally and in my body, but I know I'm dreaming. Yes, and this is one of the main reasons why I constantly am asking, what was the mood? 
that I just feel like for people that feel and have that sense going on, and mm-hmm. I'm one of them, what is the mood? Uh, also, so are there places within the dreamscape that you have recurrence with that are familiar, you know them, even though they may have shifted? Uh, yes, I do. So I can remember there was a period in my life I used to dream, um, and it was more of a, um, oh, there are two things I'll say. So one is, was more of a sensation, a recurring place which I visited was this sensation that I wasn't able to move my physical body. And it was a very strong physical sensation. It was very similar to not being able to open my eyes, but it's been years since I've had that dream experience. Um, But that being said, I had a series of dreams, and this is probably like 2012 time period, and they all took place in urban environments. And I remember journaling those dreams because that was uncommon for me. I did not normally have the same setting like uh, night after night. Can you give us a little rundown on your memory of this series? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) remember how i said like i got memories that i have memories yeah so um i remember um i i could remember it was um i had the sensation of um like cities being like a dangerous place to be uh like a escape from new york type quality um uh there was it wasn't like it wasn't from like government forces or it wasn't um it wasn't uh uh being chased but it felt like there were um there were there were uh like people or or or, or gangs let's say and you had to walk you had to get around them and that the the whole city was like that and there was like a movement throughout the city after like one area to another and i can remember having that dream recurring for many nights there weren't any blue bubble transportation things right there were no okay. blue bubble transportation <laughs> things. and this was around 2012 you said right this was around 2012 yeah when there was a lot of like you know probably um uh, a lot of collective fear of of stuff right around then. Yes, which is actually only amped since then. For no for no reason to it. <laughs> well, the collective gave itself a reason, and and then I mean we could talk for hours on that, and we have Jerry. Yeah. So. No, no, I know, I know, but I mean it was, or not, it was fear porn. but also it served a purpose and i do think we did actually i think it did and i think especially looking at the astrology back to the astrology i think that we did actually move through a gate at that point it's just not the bang bang boom boom people expect from hollywood because those are symbols i i agree with you completely i think that um and this is true to i think something even bigger than that which is we don't know what we're looking for. And so we're often, so it's like, we we don't know what we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. I mean, I keep going back to the subconscious. I'm like, 
what the hell is that? <laughs> yes. I don't know who designed us, but someone put the biggest hole, like, you know, the biggest, like, open back door in your being. You're like, oh, yes, we, your, your total conscious mind is ruled by your subconscious, and you have no understanding what and who, what that is, but all sorts of people know techniques how to communicate. Like, who designed that? But what would be the purpose? Why would that be the way we are? What if it was more of a, that's the way we used to be, and over, the, over time, it's been forgotten for whatever what reason. That? What do you mean by that? That you can communicate. Like, like the, what you were just talking about, the open gateway <laughs> between the subconscious and the conscious. Sinking the hemispheres, if you will. Whatever. However you want to look at it. Maybe okay. it's just something we knew how to do, but then the dark ages happened and we forgot. Or wh whatever the reason is. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that a whole lot. Um, and I think that's what we're doing right now. And a lot of like the, the Susquehanna, the Susquehanna mystery stuff. Goosebumps. Is, no, I was just um, talking about this like two days ago with somebody. I don't remember who, but I, I completely agree. Go ahead. I'll shut up. The, the whole thing with when we, when I said before, it's like, why would this work? Is this kind of like it, what we're just talking about is, is, is there was once a time I mean, the only way, this is just a feeling. I mean, this is no different than a feeling I have in a dream. This is no different than a feeling I have on ayahuasca. This is no different than the feeling I have that I know how to make leather bags. It's like, it's a feeling, you know? And that feeling is there was once a time that um, people in bodies like this knew how to interact with the environment in a way which we don't quite grasp. And it's so far outside of our viewpoint because we're told to look over there like me as a child like we're sitting with my family we're looking in the wrong direction for the fireworks there's fireworks all around and the first thing we have to recognize is that we're looking in the wrong direction and that we're kind of ignorant but they're clues if we know to look for clues yes i, I love and i love that early snapshot picture example of the fireworks that you have because it it's so classic i see everything through a magician's perspective i'm talking about pull the rabbit out of the hat magician like the tricks card tricks illusions that kind of thing and 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 it all just fits so nicely into the world around us uh okay wait so i wanted to i want to dive a little deeper in on on some of these things lucidity when you have lucidity in a dream, what is that like for you? So I, I also got a sense that the dreams that you do recall, there must be a certain level of lucidity because you're all over them. They actually make it through your filter. There must be a sense there of, of being aware. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's, um, you know, like, when you're dreaming it at least it does for me i'm assuming this is universal like dreaming feels as real as being awake and so i'm not i don't have that lucidity that says like i i know i'm dreaming it's like i'm having the experience and um there is a little bit of bleed over with maybe like that i want to open my eyes because my sense was i i i wanted to wake up from a dream that's that's just the sense i have um, that's why I was opening the eyes. Um, 
But when I'm in a dream, uh, I, I'm lost in it or, or, or like I'm participating at such a level, I'm lost in it. It's like, it's such a real experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of becoming lucid in a dream, but I have not had one, uh, an experience which has been different than my normal dreams in terms of how I, how I, I do them. So, all right, let's move into paralysis. Sleep paralysis. Do you have any recall of having sleep paralysis? The closest thing I could do is, is well, I don't know if it's, it's technically sleep paralysis, but there, the, as it relates to like, um, often I think of sleep paralysis has to do with like, um, maybe not necessarily like a, 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 a night terror that a child has, but there's some degree of, of someone wanting to wake up and um, not being able to. And I felt that a little bit with my eyes. But I have felt, as I said before, that I've been in water and I've wanted to move faster. And, and that was very physical for me. And I wasn't able to move my body. I know that there have been times I've punched out in dreams or like move my hands. Um, but sleep paralysis is not a, a recurring dream experience for me. Okay, so when you say punched out in dreams, what do you mean by that? Uh, like, um, if someone's in bed next to me that I'm like, oh, shit, did I just hit you? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know I'm punching out in dreams, but like, you know, that sort of stuff. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, okay, and so... So also, what about, this is a good time, I think, to actually get into your astral experience you had, your astral traveling experience you had. Um, all right. I mean, this is just like a, a, like a one-off story. But, but there was a time, um, and this was like right around this 2010, 2012 period, where I was really interested. I was, I was kind of... Um, I'm very comfortable with my imagination in the invisible world, and I always have been. And so um, we have a name for what we call astral projection and their techniques, but then there are things which I think people do all the time when they experience life, and you know we don't have a word for it, and they don't even realize they're doing it. But whatever that it is, I used to do it. And so I was reading a book about astral, astral um, projecting, and it was a workbook. It was how to do it. I was... I was um, I think I read it pretty seriously. Like I read it for a week, like every night and I would try the exercises. And, um, but I wasn't super psyched. Like, you know, this is something I have to do, but it was something I was curious to like explore. And I was doing it and it, it didn't really feel like, uh, as you said before, like, uh, the, the sensation of leaving eyes, like it didn't feel like anything like that happened. And I went but it felt like I was, I was able to do it in my mind. I was able to do it with my imagination, but I do this all the time. And I was walking around um, a friend of mine's upstairs bedroom. I was like, okay, where do I want to go? Where, am I, where, where can I go? And they had a newborn baby, like not a newborn, like a one-year-old or a two-year-old, probably about a two-year-old. And um, I'm doing that for a little bit. And then I just like, I'm like, okay. And I come back. And the next morning, uh, the mother of the two-year-old, uh, who I was close with, they're, they're good friends of, of mine, 
And they said, it's the strangest thing because our two-year-old was screaming your name all night long. And I'm like, I'm pretty certain I didn't just do that, but this is a confirmation piece. I mean, maybe it's coincidental, who knows? But like, that's my one-off astral projection story. That's fantastic. That's yeah, that's the stuff that we love to hear here. And it's, it's of course, it's a, it is a confirmation. And I just dropped my crystal skull. It is a confirmation for me. That's, that's a confirmation that you were there. And it's even better that it was out of the mouth of babes, right? Yeah. Yes. This, okay. So in this kind of, in this vein over here, that's, I can't even recall. I had written a note and now I've scribbled it away. I have a chicken writing, so it's difficult. <laughs> I, I have a question then while you look, and this goes back to your experience where you were on the table, your ayahuasca experience. All right. What do you think about the idea that perhaps that's the real reality and what people experience on ayahuasca trips are more of screen memories? Be a little bit more clear. Like, what do you mean? So usually an ayahuasca trip, some, they, they, you know, you, you go to the... You see shit, right? You go and you see other entities and you, they give you life lessons or whatever happens. Right. Um, you know, you do that thing. And, but you didn't do that. You had like a birthing experience. You kind of describe it. A, comfort, a comfortable clinical experience. It was very clinical. It wasn't very comfortable, but it was very clinical. It felt it, it felt like they were gray aliens, and I was under a light, and I was on a stainless steel table. But did they feel benevolent or yes. malevolent? Yeah, yeah. Yes, so, definitely felt benevolent. So what, what what I'm suggesting is that what if that experience that you had is the real ayahuasca experience, but when you come back, you just have screen memories. So you mean like everyone who drinks ayahuasca goes to wherever that silver table is and everyone goes through that birthing experience? Maybe. That's friggin' awesome. <laughs> That's I, I'm, just, uh, I'm just turning it around because... Right, right, right. I've I never heard anyone say that they saw... That they had a 20th, 21st century experience on ayahuasca, in Peru especially. Um, the entire time there, you're in the medicine. And I had a lot of other experiences where I was not necessarily deep in the medicine, which certainly feel and were more like what you're talking about. Um, I don't know. You're right. I don't know why. I've never heard of another person having an alien experience. It was just, um, it was just a thought because I don't know. It was just a thought. It, it sprung up in my head. It's demons. The, it's all demons. Everything is demons. Well, that's the thing. Like, I just, I realized no, I used I the kidding. word alien. Well, I use the word alien. Like, that's whatever that, whatever that was, like, you know, I, I limited it to, to whatever. Like, it felt real. So this is what was interesting. I can remember when that was happening. And I was, it was so real in my, like, inner body, my inner world. But I can remember rubbing my stomach. Like, I was, like, curled up on my side. Mm -hmm. I remember rubbing my stomach. And I remember feeling like in my, in my rational thinking mind, like this is happening simultaneously. I'm like, my skin feels soft, like a newborn baby. I'm like, this is friggin' nuts. Like I feel mm -hmm. like I'm in new skin as I'm having this like 
wherever, again, we don't have the right language, like imagination, uh, wherever that stuff happens in. It might not be in your head. It might not be in your head, though. Exactly. Exactly. It's I'm just the head is in that realm, in that dimension. Wherever that was, that state that was is as real and it was happening simultaneously as I was rubbing my skin. And I was like, I know I'm lying in this mokula in the middle of, of the jungle. Did you feel the gray skin at all? No, hmm. no, no, not at all. I don't think I was even touched. I just remember feeling like I was being looked at. Like I literally felt like a, like a, like this is what a baby feels like. So did you actually see grays or did you just feel the presence of them? I mean, did you see their faces? Or did you see their bodies and it made you think of great? I'm not saying you're lying or anything. I'm just, I'm curious if you actually got a good look at them. No, I definitely didn't get a good look. Yeah. It is a feeling sense of a, um, a feeling sense of like, an, so. It's an energy. It's, and by me putting words around it mm -hmm. is just that. It's like, you know, what it was 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 without words and so now i'm i'm this is the nature of having language right you know mm -hmm. it's like i'm limiting that's why i like correcting myself of saying alien it felt like a very it felt clinical and it felt like i was being looked at i don't know what they looked like um what i do have though also <laughs> um there are certain characters that continue to when i was making all of this art I, there were certain characters that showed themselves over and over again um one guy was, was like, one named lamb <laughs> <laughs> they were just made they were just made and so that's a lot like like it's it's not a it's there's no information other than like this is what just came out of my fingers this is right. what i cut out and um there's the sense of me which has the experience which is like well this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna cut paper here and i'm gonna glue it here and this is what it's gonna do and then there's a sense of me is like why did i cut the paper there why did i glue it there what's going on why is this theme keep on recurring and um i don't know but yeah. i did the thought has crossed my mind it definitely crossed my mind and we're going back to this we're going back mm -hmm. to this uh um this uh um this I this night it. in my life, yeah. um, I thought that they were the same. It's, I, I'm just thinking about it. And now that you mentioned that you had other experiences, then that was just one extra one, which could mean many things. But um, that just made me want to ask, was your dad in the military at all? Uh, or associated with the contractor? I mean, obviously, if you're a technology company, but I don't believe so. But mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to, I don't believe so. I don't even, even during Vietnam, I, during Vietnam, I believe he was in the National Guard. That's his closest military, um, his closest military uh, connection. And the only reason I ask is because what if that was an experience or close to an experience that you'd had that you'd repressed that you needed to clear to get to move forward? That's what made me think to ask that. It's not. Uh, it could be, I mean, I've gone down kind of that path before, and and when I was we were talking earlier, I was being I was I was being a little bit tongue in cheek talking about myself, but mm. um, you can't be on um, on any type of self reflective journey. You know, I I paused a little bit earlier when we talked about the ego. I'm like, well, I'm still doing self reflective stuff, so you know, I guess I got ego, and that's part of where I am right now. 
And but I don't and, think that's a problem to have ego. That's I don't a, think it is either. I don't have no, any problem it's with it. It's a necessity. We, it's what yeah. steers and us around. I, what she was talking about, ego death, was just a, a trip term. Right. Well, yes, yes. Um, and and I, and yes. And so I've thought about that. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of strange things which. Um, if I wanted to connect dots, there's there's a lot of strangeness. Yeah, um, you could be yeah. a hybrid baby. Well, on that note, <laughs> I've been called a hybrid by quite a few people. I'm not going <laughs> to. Michael, what do you think about? What are your thoughts on all of that? And of course, words do fail us. They they literally do. But what are your thoughts on the whole ET or the others? That whole phenomena that seems to be growing um well you know anything that's growing i'm suspect but i tend to be more open to an idea this is how i treat ideas like i'll hold on i change ideas all the time as soon as something better comes along i'm willing to let go of something Except we here at Knox Mente are the same by the way uh, and so <laughs> to me what makes the most sense so that's i like to say that sometimes more than believe like i'm not into believe the area i'm like this is what makes the most sense I don't think I don't think space is what we think it is, mm -hmm. and there's something else going on, and we don't know what it is. So, um, whatever this recurring theme, though, which has shown itself, you know, whether it's uh, whether it's uh, Alistair Crowley's um, uh, holy guardian angel or whether it's a gray, you know, it's the same archetype, and whether that's being dropped into our collective consciousness or whether or not that's a true thing, I don't know. Um, right now, I just don't know. Uh, the closest thing to a real experience that I have is um, the characters I've made in my art, which have shown up unexpectedly, and that one ayahuasca experience. When you say showed up unexpectedly, you don't mean physically? Um, correct. Okay. They sh but they showed, them, they showed up... Mentally, and you represent them physically. In your art. So, yeah. how, how strange can we get? Strange as you want. As strange as we right. can. There are zero right. limits on this show, zero <laughs> rules. All right. So, balls um, deep, baby, balls deep. So, a very, a very smart friend of mine, uh, a guy in the world of <laughs> neuroscience, he once told me, he's like, he's like, Mike, Whenever you're working with the fundamental building blocks of reality, whatever you think your reality is, he's like, that's dangerous area. And um, one of the things I've noticed about myself, I think I've told you a couple different stories, particularly when I was a child. And, and we talked a little bit about like, you know, this, what, uh, the, an afflicted moon. But um, I've got like a lot of kid fear stuff. And what's part of the natural... Um, psychological maturation of an individual and human body is like, you're going to go and do the opposite. So um, I like, I like danger now because I probably am overcompensating for something else. And so I like to go and mess around on the fundamental levels of reality. And um, that's a dangerous place to go. Um, but that being said, I don't know. Um, I have a very strong sense that there's something on the other side of that veil, which is very connected to us. And I'm, I'm, there's a large part of my understanding, which I'm not really completely connected with, 
which is very active over there. And my life over there is as significant to this physical life as I am. So when I say these guys showed up, like whatever's on the other side, whatever the subconscious is, whatever is like all this stuff, to me, I don't know what any of it is. It's all X-File shit. And something came in my life that was never there before. And I started making art. And I started drawing pictures of these motherfuckers. But they don't look human. They look kind of weird. And they're fun. And they're, it's like, and I like what's coming out of it. Like, you know, you talked about the mood. My mood is good. Yes. Mine is good, too. I, I also paint and draw the things that come to me. And they're, they're very strange and odd. Half the time, they don't have hair. And... Uh, I mean, they're there to be seen. There, I have them pictures of them all over. Right. So, it, it's on in this in this the whole context of everything we're talking about. Where is or what is even consciousness? Like, where what's going on with this whole idea of how it seems to be split? You know, we're here, then we dream, but then we can focus in on memories or the past. How easy it is to just fragment your consciousness by by daydreaming about the future. I mean, that is a split in consciousness. So mm-hmm. what what's going on? All right. Uh, I, I'm so excited to jump into that one. But I want to say one last thing, which, which Jerry, I think you're going you're gonna to like. Do you see this thing in my hand? Yeah. All is right. Worry beads? It's a piece of tectite. Mm. I love tectite. I have some right now on me. So do you know why I carry tectite in my, and what hand is this in? Left. It's in my left hand. Okay. So I'm right-handed. So my left hand is known as my receptive hand, right? Right. right. Yes. And right. so tectite, what, do you know how tectite's made? It's when something hits the earth, goes up and comes back down, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like from something from outer space hits the earth. It creates this huge explosion. All this like molten matter like shoots up in the atmosphere and then it rains down and it, it solidifies during the rain, or at least that's what they tell us in the history books. So, and, is it filtering and, the frequencies coming in? So all I know is this has outer space material in it. Yes, I don't know outer space. Exactly. So I wear this in my left hand because I don't know why. All I know is I'm supposed to fucking wear this in my left hand. Dude, every- I'm so with you. And every time I do a starboard reading, every time I do something which I know that um, I'm to give information, I give this, I wear this. And whatever this, whatever this tunes me to, whatever this is a physical representation of whatever frequency is, like, you know, I don't think about it. Like, no one shows up in my head, but something's shown up in my head because I don't, I don't stop doing this. Yeah. I noticed a big difference when I started adding tectites and, uh, oh my goodness, the Moldavite. I've had Moldavite jump out of my ear, an earring, jump out of my ear with witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? okay, I'm going to take you off for a minute, you know? Maybe it, it just couldn't possibly deal with the amount of negative energy that it was up against. In that room, it's yeah. possible. It, it is definitely possible. That was kind of a weird situation. Anyway, so consciousness so and how fragments. Okay, so so again, this is this is this is this is my this is how I approach it. Um, consciousness is like as you said, words are just limiting. So consciousness is one of these things 
that that cannot be described in words. So it's like it's this thing we're all kind of we know it we know it's this thing which we can't describe in words. All of my awareness is how do I relate to consciousness? I don't know what it is. And so I see everything as a symbol. And to me, and, and your physical body is, and the material world, like where you are ex existing within, is what you need to relate with. And that could be people as well. And so um, it, the way I try to train, and I think it's a skill set, the way I try to train to relate to consciousness, which is everything, is um, I try to do as many like seemingly impossible things at once and find a balance in it. Because that's the only way you can take like all of this like disparaging thing. It's like you find your balance. And I do it through this practice. And it's riding my bike with no hands. And let me explain to you why I suggest this is like, to me, it's the most amazing thing you can do because the mood it puts you in is there's nothing more fun than riding your bike with no hands, but I ride it like a friggin' monk and I'm incredibly skilled at what I do. And what you're doing is, first of all, you are, you're in your physical body, you are finding balance, which happens on a bike. Anytime you ride a bike, it changes your, 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 your consciousness because you are in a state you're normally not in. You are literally physically balanced, and you are propelling yourself with your own energy, albeit um, uh, leverage. So right away, you know you're changing consciousness. Most people ride bikes like, like all hunched over, like a primate. You're meant to ride your bike like a king, so you want your you want your spine perpendicular to the plane of the earth. The human being is the only being on this planet whose natural position is perpendicular. I don't know what that means, but it changes our consciousness again. So now you're riding your bike that way. In order to ride your bike no hands and to be good, is you have to be so so centered in your in your root. All of your weight has to drop down. And so that is like the ultimate physical position. You're extending your, 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 your spine and you have to have good posture. You have to be totally, totally grounded on the bike and then you, you meld with it. So as that's happening, you then have to become aware of infinite sort of things that can knock you off your bike. Because I'm a 47 year old man, I don't wanna fall off my bike. I don't, I don't have insurance, I don't wanna get hurt. So you have to be aware of everything including your physical body. And at the same time, you can't be aware, you have to be totally balanced and focused on nothing. At the same time, you're just like weaving around everything. And that is a skill set. And I think there's a certain level of consciousness that has to happen. I can't do that physically without invoking a level of consciousness. And I do all sorts of other things when I uh, like kind of building upon that. Um, most of all, trying to have as much fun as I can. And I have certain music going, and I'm usually really, really stoned. And it is the most fun I do all day. Um, but I believe it's training. And I believe that, that you know, that's just my training. I think it's an awesome training, but I think there are probably other things like, you know, yoga or like any of these like disciplines which are really physical, but at the same time require all of these other sort of um, martial arts would probably, uh, Aikido's coming to mind. Um, the more we train in whatever we're drawn to, it has to be physical. Um, we're learning how to, um, how to integrate with consciousness. 
and to find that balance. And I think there, there, there are a lot of clues out there of objective things which we can do and use to align to consciousness the way which it wants us to. I, I'm a big believer in structural integrity as well. And that, you know, it's, it's really, there's so much to it that it's, it's again, one of those things that falls outside the bounds of words. It's something that is, it just, you know, it when you're in alignment, when you're, when your skeleton is in alignment. Yes. Yes. Now do that moving, right? You know, it's like, as you like figure out what, what structure alignment is, like imagine doing that, like the guy who's juggling. When you see someone who's like a, an incredibly talented dancer, I mean, yes. that's what we're watching. We're like, because not only do they have amazing structural uh, integrity, they have rhythm and then they have grace. And yes. you're like, like, that is every single time someone's dancing and they can dance like that and they know what they're doing and they can bring like a level of, of reverence to their art form. Like they're training, they're training consciousness. When, when I was young, I, and I, I mean, all through my life until, I don't know, at some point it changed where I actually did get dizzy. But I was a spinner. You know, I'd spin just naturally like a whirling dervish, you know, and I, you see a lot of kids do this. It's, it's yeah. very, very common. And I didn't understand the, like kind of the psycho spiritual stuff of that until later. It was my natural state to want to spin and then move the hands and get all, it was now I see it as a portal out. I see it as a, a way to create it almost like a, it shifts off your poles, you know, your toroidal field. It is something you're becoming a vortex. And in those states, when I would get, I would get so high from spinning that I, I felt like I was accessing other realms of consciousness and yet still connected to the spinning eye, right? There was still this awareness. That's, that's a, common thing with like witches and like the whirling dervishes it's a it's a a focus i think get you focused yeah. into yes. the energy to focus your intention and energy at one thing i i i think you know you nailed it like that's that's the skill and that's why you do it um and when you recognize the skill is learning what are amazing ways which I can further connect to consciousness and there'd be like a real benefit, which is tangible. Like, you know, uh, I connect to another realm or maybe get information. Maybe I just feel amazing in my body. I mean, I don't know what it is, but, but that's what I think is, is consciousness and brought in a way human being can, can work with consciousness that way. And the more reverence and awareness and then, capability i mean any of the flow arts you see someone who's skilled in the flow arts like it raises your consciousness just watching them i mean a lot of those <laughs> yeah um, ecstasis ecstasis amazing do you think I, I, uh, like working on a spirograph would give you the same thing no. it was a joke i that's <laughs> classic I, jerry <laughs> I, th I think spirograph <laughs> has the magic in it jerry because i do too do. I, I, th I think there's real, I th so this is what I've learned from, there's probably, you know, there is a need maybe to do 
focus more microcosm sort of like alignment. Yeah, I mean, there's all these different games. We're alive, we're in body. How, how can we have fun? How can we connect to consciousness in all these great ways? And drawing things and particularly geometric, like mm -hmm. I see, like the, what is that? Is that Marty McFly on your shirt? Is that who that's supposed to be? Yeah, yeah that's a, a flux capacitor, flux right? capacitor and Marty yeah. McFly with all the 88s. So I, I so at first I thought it was, um, what is it? Metatron's cube. Yes. And yeah. there is, I just love drawing Metatron's cube. Yes, me too. <laughs> and there's something, it's like, they don't really look good. And like, I'm not doing it, but there's like, I have a system of how I do it with the circles and like connecting all the, all the dots. And like, the first time you do it, you're like, wow, that's how you make a dot of true. But something happens when you do that. And I think something happens with those, the, all of those like spiral things too. Do you, so in, in this, in light of all this, where does, okay, so first of all, have you had this experience? Do you have these experiences? And do you think through this kind of state, through structural integrity and moving and the geometry of stuff, uh, precognitive stuff, omens, be able to actually read events outside of the time you are in at the moment? Like remote viewing? Well, precog. So, yeah, remote viewing or uh, even any way you can get future events or unlock past memories that you had forgotten or, you know, maybe cover memories so you see under the cover. Um. So the first part of the question is, do you ha have you had precognitive stuff? Or any kind of omen stuff, dreaming true? I definitely have. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, right now, I'm, I'm going by like a memory of a memory. Like I know I've had that conversation and I've written down um, it's funny before, before we had this conversation, I went looking for some of my old dream journals and what was unable to find them. In fact, I, um, I moved, I, I moved them physically out of where I live because, um, you know, I didn't really do a con like, I don't know why I did it, but my senses is now that we're talking is because I wanted to not be limited by those. And I think that kind of backs into what you're suggesting, which is, which is, um, you know, how dreams and, and reality and timelines and, and being able to, to, to see more than what, where we are and where we're going. Um, and those are interesting questions, but, uh, right now I feel like, um, I feel like almost we're flying at the seat of our pants. And um, we're in a really strange place that I have not experienced since being in this body. Oh, and yeah, I 100% I, I agree with that. And I don't know if precognition is capable, is possible, which is weird. Like, I don't know. Like, that's just, those are the words that came out of my mouth. Like, we're in this, this place right now, like, anything is, is possible. Like, any both like every extreme of the environment like we're we're at that place right now like maybe even as individuals like you know that's what it means we each go and choose or like you know whatever we're creating because it just seems to be getting so more real 
this yeah. relationship between the inner world and the outer world. Um, and I may even be a little bit gun shy because there's so much, there's so much um, astroturfing. There's so much like, um, there's so many seeds which are being thrown out into people's consciousness. And don't you get the feeling I, that people are turning away though, because it's like information overload and they're going to, oh, I'm just going to watch football. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to deal with the overload anymore. It's like, it's like people not wanting to shop at, at a giant supermarket. It's just too much choice there. And they don't want to make that choice. So they'll tend to shop at smaller stores. Um, so yeah, you're, uh, you brought up a couple interesting points. I mean, one is you, you, you brought up like the, the, the pendulum. Um, but I, st I still think I, um, I think you're absolutely right about the, the, the choice and the choice overload and then how that causes a shutdown. But I believe the shutdown is designed and the design so that then they can plant even deeper seeds, you know? That's that's how the system works. That's how you would that's how you would you would um, gain access to that part of the mind. If you're gonna manage collective humanity. That's what that's what they do. Well, what do you think this is all amping up hey, to? Wait, they who? I don't know. Whoever the they's are, right? This is uh, I'd like to dig into this when you're done now. All right. Um when I, they are the people who are on the other side of the veil who are running the shop. Okay. And I, I'm not trying to like mock you or anything. I, no, no, it's funny. It's, I was being silly. When I, did, I know I you were. It. I know. And I always tell, I always do that to people. Yeah. Well, who's they? Because um, yeah, I really, it's a good one. probably know it's, it could be ourselves, you know? Um, you are probably correct. And undoubtedly that is. But until, 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 until we, we can, have more clarity, we can't tell. Yeah. Well, I look at more skill. It's like it, until okay. I can go and see the other side of the veil and be unified. So that was what happened after the. Uh, um, uh, let's make this full circle. So what happened after the uh, the aliens in in Peru? And I'm being silly when I call them the aliens. Is then this like wild carnival occurrence happened with strange, very very strange sort of things, and it felt like. A, reu uh, uh, a reunion on both sides of the veil. That's exactly what it felt like. It felt like, all right, we're going to bring the veil down for a moment and we're all coming together. That's exactly what, what Peru ended like for me. And that sounds to me, just listening to it, like greatness, like the mood was great. For me, it was, yes. It was, um, uh, it was, that was a spectacular night. In fact, um, uh, I've got a couple. I, there's one piece of art in particular, which I did, um, which is specifically I captured that night on, um, on uh, my collage boards. Big ones, 39 by 24 inches. Actually, your, your answer to the they, though, is one, I think, possibly my favorite. It's come it's not by no means new but it's my favorite that's come through in Noxmente and it's the other side of the veil 
And a lot of times I think about, and when I think about real magicians I know in the world, I mean, I'm talking what I consider the real deal uh, and how, how I perceive working in that realm myself is there. So this is why I don't have, I have certainly had a coven in the past and worked with physical people and physical incarnate and all that. But at this point in this stage, it's all spirit. It's all whatever is on the other side of the veil. It's all yeah. the otherness that very well could be in in the basic Jungian terms, uh, myself. Yeah. Right. Aspects of my personality as it as it is separated out and to the different functions of it. And that and that's even juicier because then that what overlays onto the alchemical grid. This overlays onto the Metatronic grid. There is a million ways we can parse this out, but for me, it is now the way I think of the they. It's the otherness beyond the veil of which we cannot see. And yeah. that otherness, which affects us, so if we're looking at it personally, if my shadow's out of control, it's out in the outer world being out of, out of control and it can have autonomous, there can be autonomous real world or as we're perceiving it, real world effects coming back to me because it's my shadow of my shadow projection, right? That's yeah. that if I were not in touch with the idea that that's my shadow projection, I could say that's a spirit or a demon and I could, I could further than separate it. <laughs> but, but I could then further separate it from myself and and then feed it. And of course, what we feed grows. You know, you, are you following me here? Yes, yes, I am. Yes. I mean. So that, and so I just wanted to say that I think is one of the best answers I've heard from people on the show, from people, from a person on the show. Uh, it just, I vibe in with it and I'm, I'm feeling it. Thank you. So, I don't know. What are your ideas on on death? Um, you don't die, I guess. I mean, I've thought about a lot of different things, but there's a feeling sense in me that, like, when you don't, when you die, like, it doesn't end. Um, well, um, I, I'm open to the idea that. There's a population filled with um, inorganic beings that actually, um, like, when their physical unit dies, they don't, they, they, um, they don't, nothing happens. Like, it's, it's over, game over. But I feel like for myself and for anyone who I've ever had contact with in, in, in the human world, um, those people go on forever or consciousness goes on or it changes. What I don't know is if, is or and i don't have an opinion on is whether or not um you know i keep some semblance of who mike Wan is you know you know that's what i think is interesting it's like the whole idea of of like you know when we talked about like ego or like what we represent what that point of reference that all it, it is like you know i don't i think that's the neat thing about being embodied i'm more curious about um about the how it works with um you know that ego or maybe other ones and when people talk about uh 
past lives. I mean, that's not really a hot button for me, but there's there's certain destined relationships like which I think, and I've seen it like in astrology where I'm, I look at things. And if you know astrology, and you compare charts or certain things you look for, and you know there's there there's something else which is which seems predestined or at least you know one layer outside of the veil, and um, I don't know how death interacts with it. I'm curious about that. You know that that's intriguing to me. Yeah, well, me too. Obviously, it's intri- I think it's intriguing to anyone who's actually yeah. really searching because it's it's still even if you have an out of body astral projection, however you want to define that experience of being bilocated, there's still a lay, there's still a membrane, there's still somehow yeah. you're yeah. you're still attached to your vessel, and you still come into. You come back and it's like, okay, I'm back in this little timeline I'm playing in. And so there's something, there is something definitely other about death. There is something yes. very mysterious. And it, you know, of course, it, it, any con artist can certainly take advantage of it. I mean, we see religions that live off of it. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, look at all yeah. the cults. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Well, you know, what I do find, um, there's a, a, I don't know if this is from a movie, I don't know where I heard it. I don't even really know if I know what it means, but it it feels really right to me. And it's this idea of, um, of like cultures, like, you know, the, the I think it's Tibetan, like, you know, they, the, like all of these these cultures that have books of the dead, and there are people who spend their entire lives preparing to die. And it is through that act, you know. I don't, I don't know what it says inside the Tibetan Book of the Dead, but, but, but imagine if that, like, I filled my consciousness with it, and like, I'm so aware of, like, and this is what I do, and I believe it's like very instructional, like what you do. Um, that somehow frees you up to life, you know, the whole paradoxical thing. And then when you flip it, and like, we live in a society right now where, generally speaking, like, death is the worst thing which anyone wore. So this is probably where I put more of my energy as it relates to death, because I think about death a lot, um, is, is this idea that our culture, or at least a majority of people, have so much fear or so much like even religious dogma um, tied to death. And I'm like, there's something else. And what happens if it was expressed differently? Like, you know, going back to a culture which would then spend every moment um, in a reverent way, you know, there's, there's, you're working with some, some dangerous stuff when you're talking death cults. And I'm not suggesting that, but, but there's something, there's, there's something very, very intriguing there for me. I'm with you. Well, there's a lot of martial art, internal martial arts that focus right. on this, of, of, of really being at one with your, your personal death throughout your day, throughout your life and drawing from it so that when it comes it's it's familiar it's it's an old it's like a it's just another breath it's just another breath and it, it's moving through a membrane or you know it's just yeah. changing your clothing so and i'm for, i'm one of those people but i have you know heavily i have a dark chart you know i have 12th house sun it's 
it all it all plays into kind of my gothiness. My chart does for sure. <laughs> so, is there in in the death conversation? Have you experienced those that you've known that have passed within the dreamscape? Um, including animals, Michael. Um. No, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. But I do feel um, not in the dreamscape. In in um, I have in in a waking state. Would could you give us a little taste of that? Um, I'm I'm really I'm feeling oriented. So it's like it's hard to put like it. It was a feeling or a knowing, like a a knowing feeling of um uh. There's a grandfather, my, my father's father, he died before I was born. And there was a short period of time where um, he was just, the idea of him was so heavy in my consciousness. And, um, and I just had a knowing, like, you know, there was, there was a, a, some type of connection. Like, again, like, you know, whatever's going on beyond the veil, like, Someone's doing something, whether they're, they're kind of coming through. I'm not seeing apparitions or anything, but it felt as real as any of some of the other feelings which I've had, which have been real, which I've, which I've been able to, to, to verify. So what was the, can you set the scene up a little bit of like the physicality of it? Were you just in a room and your grandfather, you felt your grandfather's presence or what? How did um so the 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 scene in my mind and my memory which comes most clear uh I used to do a lot of a lot of a lot of work in the the garage I'd make a lot of things out there, and I can remember walking out of the garage and there was like this little porch before you would walk into the kitchen it was like um it was like a breezeway. They weren't attached. And I can remember standing there and it was, it was dark out. I'm pretty certain I was the only one who was awake in the house. And, um, and I may even had like a beer with me because I knew my grandfather was a drinker. And, um, and it, I just had this overwhelming knowing that um, there was a connection. Like I didn't have like words in my head. There wasn't a conversation. Um, I just felt like, you know, I felt connected. That's probably the best way to describe it. I felt, I felt connected to him in a way which I had never felt before. And so I'm interpreting that as having some sort of connection, um, with him and he's dead. That's great. And, and that's, that's, that's a perfect note for me too. Uh, hand it over for that. This is usually we're like exactly at two hours too. This is usually where I hand it off to see if we have questions, and that is a beautiful place. To, this is a beautiful place to do that from the audience. I'm waiting for questions. No one's come up. They're just in awe of the guest. <laughs> yeah, this has been this has been a delight. <laughs> it's so easy. 
Well, thank you. I've uh, I've had a lot of fun myself. Um, uh, I felt a little bit more um, um, at ease, more open, more open um, on my personal personal opinions and, and personal life than I than I normally am, and I'm a little bit um, Venus Capricorn. Um, I like to I, I'm I'm tight to the vest that way. And so I felt, I felt it was fun for me to be a little bit more open. So thank you for creating the environment for that to occur. Well, and especially if, you know, I love this back Zoom page where we can see, you know, I can see you at least. And uh, you're, you're really fun to watch. <laughs> I've been really enjoying you, Michael. <laughs> so, all right, Jerry, did any questions pop up in yes, this? Yes, I've got it now. Um, if, if listeners were going to embark on an exploration of the hidden esoteric aspects of the living environments around them, where would you recommend they start? All right. That's a great question. Um, so this, if you want to, in my opinion, um, of going through this, I think there's something which is missing right now in, um, in our relationship with our physical environment. And it is an emotional, mental connection with the environment, not just like necessarily going out and like, oh, this feels good, like, or going deep into the woods, or like, I wanna have a mystical experience. It's, it's specifically recognizing that whatever is that emotional, mental state, which you're really going through in life, being able to find a place in the natural world, and it should be easy, I mean, there are certain people who their easy is going to be going really, really deep backwoods. But for the majority of people, it should be accessible in your, your county parks or something like that. And you want to look for something that is a physical reflection of kind of the quality you're feeling. So the quality you're feeling, you want to make it general. And, and the way I see it is it's, it's known as the life cycle or was known as the goddess cycle. And it's like everything is born everything lives and then everything dies and by everything that's like everything that's every thought every idea every emotion every relationship every person everything goes through that process including your own in your inner world and recognize like particularly if you want to take the bull by the horns like it usually if there's something you want to release this is often on this model it begins with the release, something which is going to die. You want to find a place of darkness because you want to go to a place where it's dark, where it's destructive, where you can give away what you want to die. And so when you look for darkness, you know, you, you got to be smart. I'm not saying don't do anything stupid, but you can look at it from any sort of ways. And we talked about this in the very beginning where like everything is a mirror reflection. So if you know that something really dark happened in a certain place, um, uh, like it has a history, um, there's a darkness there. And if you see there was a place of like, you know, maybe where um, there are remains of, a, of an animal, you know, you could be like, this is a darkness. Or maybe there's a place which just feels creepy to you. Like, you know, there's this cave and I don't even like how it looks. Like recognizing, recognizing both fit, it should be physical, it should be rational, it should make sense. So you're trying to link the, the, the rational mind with what you're seeing, with what you're feeling. 
And when you do that, you're connecting on this mental, emotional, you're going for a reason, you're finding a work, a part in your natural world, which looks like what you're trying to acquire or trying to line up with. And then you do whatever makes sense. You walk there, you want to go and breathe. You do, you want to sit there, you do yoga. You just, you want to write something down and burn it. You know, that's always a good thing. Anything that feels real, but it's the intention behind it. And then the, the, um, the structural integrity. Now this is spiritual structural integrity, but it's got to make sense. And the more sense it makes, well, then the more, the more, um, the more, fire there is to that um experience and so i said death a birth one is probably any place which is inspiring you know with great views um maybe tall trees um look for names look for views look for like you know anything which is really going to inspire and then life is usually you want to find like a, a place that is a symbol of balance you know so um whatever balance would would represent to you so maybe like right in between two different uh uh if you see two very very like let's say large trees like i do this all the time i'm always looking at the trees and i'm 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 interpreting what i think that energy represents and i think how i can tie myself to that with whatever i'm doing and i always like to look for the biggest tree in the area I'm like because that's the grandfather tree um but if you find two big trees and you stand in the middle, you're in balance energy. And so you just, you're creative, but you want to be, you want to be logical. You want to have a method to your madness. And the more you can shape that way, you know, the richer the, the experience becomes. Excellent. Thank you for that answer. I have one, another one. I have many questions. This is a first. Okay. How, uh, what does, I'll, I'll state it this way. What does quote unquote, the veil mean to you? Uh, the stuff I can't beyond what I can see. But, but what, what is, what is that thing that oh, no. separates? Okay. There, there is a, there's like, there's a place where you can't see anymore. Like you look out at the stars and like, there's something behind the stars and it's dark. I don't know what that is. I don't know how far back it goes. I don't know if it's just like, you know, it's netting. Maybe it's like, you know, some sort of plasma membrane. Don't, don't get know. me started on it. <laughs> exactly. But that's so great. <laughs> oh, no. but, but I recognize it's something. So it's not like I'm, I'm like, I don't, I, I'm not specific. I don't know enough information, but I just know it's there. It's like where I no longer know where the horizon ends. Where the 12th house begins. Isn't that from the Wizard of Oz? horizon all right i got another question here so someone asked if you're familiar with jimmy sheckard jimmy sheckard no, a know. memorial of him at glatfelter memorial field in columbia he was a cubs leadoff batter for the final game of the 1908 world series um no is perfectly fine answer no but that name is sounding very familiar to me and baseball ties into this like in a very very deep way and the cubs really tie into this um so i'm like thinking i'm like wow that's kind of interesting i don't i have no idea who this jimmy dude is but like all of these other things are like ding 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 ding. Oh, okay so, so the that's person who asked the question said that uh <clears throat> it's more related to your research than the show which is right. is, is perfectly fine i wasn't trying I wanted to know what kind of answer I was heading into. 
Anyway, um, but he's my, this woman's great great uncle, and she was so weirded out when she heard your interview on THC because her family's from over there. Uh, all right. I'm sorry I weirded her out. Like, that's never my intention. I'm like, sure but, it was weirded out in a good way. <laughs> uh, like when you get weirded out as your feedback, you're like, I don't know how I want to feel about that. I, I was trying to make you feel at ease. Well, if she's a THC listener, you know, I'm come on. Joking. I know. I'm being silly. We love I'm being, Greg. I'm being silly. <clears throat> Thank you, Anne, for that great question. Thank you, Anne. And I'll ask one more because that's all I can see. Yeah. Um, how do you manage your energy? Uh, not very well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, um, the last five years, I feel like, um, I mean, you know, we, you want to talk about, we talked about astrology. So I like going back to astrology because it doesn't feel quite so personal, particularly the astrology, which I know, um, my experience matches the paper. So I don't have a single planet in an earth sign or in a fixed sign, and I only have one planet in an earth sign. So, and everything's mutable. And what that means is my energy is all over the place and it's really, really, really hard for me to ground. And, um, and I try to create ritual or, or more so schedules, but a schedule is a ritual, you know, your morning ritual, your, your, your afternoon. Um, getting it in, in nature uh i if i don't ground it's it's really hard for me and managing and that's what managing the energy means to me uh i try to find as much order as i can but um that is not my my go-to move all right so that's all i got that's all, that's all the questions Right. Jerry has no fire in his chart. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> I, I, I would have told you that like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely shows. Uh, Why? Which because you ground. If you haven't noticed, like, 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 if you if you look at the dynamic, like, I we can see on the camera. I can see myself mm -hmm. on the screen. I can see you. Um, I have uh, I've got a lot of fire, and that's what fire is like but fire can't exist without grounding and we're looking at you and that's like metaphorical and that's literal and it's all that sort of stuff and that's like just conversation that's between people and uh you ground this dynamic or your your presence is the grounding force in this dynamic um and so i'm very aware of that when i say that i mean that in a very appreciative way because too much fire just burns down the house <clears throat> yeah, yeah I, I have a lot of fire in my chart too. That's why Jerry and I work so well together. And I don't manage my energy well either. So there you go. I don't think we can. But you know, now I, that you're included in the Knox Mente guest family, you're protected by our bubble of protection. So yes, you. yes, you're in our you're bubble. Not. You're not. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that goes for all the listeners, past, present, and future. <clears throat> well, what? Ask him what. Oh, come on, Darcy. I don't know what you said. I don't know what no. you wanted. So, my shout out to everyone in the chat, which I do not read, as you all know, but I love you. Thank you for being here. She says, okay, great. 
So thank you, everyone. For, oh, did you want to plug anything? Yes. Um, so uh, I'm in the process right now of, of developing a workshop, which I want to be able to go and, um, and travel with. And it's specifically what that first question was about. It's how it's, it's one, it's, it's, it's a little bit is telling the Susquehanna mystery and then expressing something which I, I wrote years ago, which I called the rights of the 40th parallel, which is specifically how to go into these, these areas which are particularly um, energetically charged and, and interact with it in a way which then grounds or, or connects, not only serves the individual, but then also on a humanity level, like, you know, it, we need this. We need to reconnect with, with our natural environment. It's a model how to do so. And this workshop is teaching people how to do that in their local environment. So um, hopefully by the spring, I'm going to have something. And if anyone who's listening is has the capability of hosting something like this, uh, definitely reach out to me because I'm looking for places. I'm, I'm talking to some folks out in Oregon right now because I'm doing all this East Coast stuff, but I want to go further away. And so if that makes sense, you can find me on Susquehanna Alchemy on uh, Facebook or definitely follow um, the stuff on Instagram, Susquehanna Alchemy. That's probably where I put out um, a lot of stuff, a lot of interesting stuff, not you know, this stuff, I make a lot of what I think are, are good digital collages and tell stories and stuff like that. So if you like that, you can go there. And you've got a, a YouTube channel. And... Oh, yeah, I got a YouTube channel. That's where you can see all the videos. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I should, yeah. I'm not the one who's doing this. It's like, yeah, it's stuff. But on YouTube, Susquehanna Alchemy, um, that's where all the videos are of the Susquehanna mystery. Um, they were purposefully done in a way that they're never really tied up. <laughs> and that's part of like what, what was said in the beginning is like, I don't want to lead to any conclusions, but I mean, I certainly have my conclusion, uh, but it's all of the, uh, um, that was one of my questions I wanted to ask tonight too. Where, where, where's it all going? The to, it's where, the demons. It's demons. Where's <laughs> it all? Always the demons. What's, ne what's next in the progression of events that have happened along the Susquehanna? Well, they closed it. What was happening when there was a 400-year magical ritual, which began at the beginning of Jamestown and ended 400 years to the day at the opening of High Point Scenic Vista, uh, right on the 40th parallel. Um, and so... Well, well that to I, me just means that they, they did the ritual and then they locked that energy in there. So that whole region's going to be affected by it. So I would, there's a little bit more to the story. So. I'm sure there is. I, I'm, I, I, you don't have to get way deep into it. We could save that for another time. We can save that for another time, but I will say this. Mm. Um, they had a limited amount of time to utilize the Susquehanna. Mm. A river mm -hmm. isn't what you think it is. The, 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 the outer space isn't what you think it is. Mm -hmm. um, what they did was... It's like, it's like tamed, a, a tamed water elemental is the... The visual I just got right now. Um, it was a tide to the tree, and we're going to force you. And so there's a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy of, of, of the water elementals. And the reason why so much was done there was because 
it's at the peak of the hierarchy. You know, that doesn't mean like this is the greatest. It doesn't mean you like it or don't like it. It's the one which has the most influence. That's why the geography is so significant. That's why there's so much goddess significance because this is why they came there because it was the hierarchy. You know, and, and a lot of people seem to miss that. They think it's like, you know, the eagles are the best. And like, no, there's, there's a mechanism. And in your backyard is your personal one. But this, is the, this was the hierarchy of the planet. They knew this. This is part of the information which they're having you look the other way. And they, for 400 years, they were able to do that. And it was to create the environment we're in right now. And the reason why they're doing that is with the technology, it is an artificial environment where all human beings are putting their mental, emotional energy, whereas the original environment was the earth. People have forgotten this. And so that's what all of this is about. And, I, I, and I'm grateful, Jerry, for you giving me an opportunity to express it because that's mm -hmm. what the workshop is about. The workshop is ultimately to tell that story and then right. give the tools so that it can be personal. And so we can begin to remember mm. however it was we once were. Mm -hmm. And that's not the Stone Ages. I'm not saying going back to the Stone Ages. I'm saying they got us looking in the wrong direction. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, totally. Oh, man, this is the juicy stuff. <laughs> you got to oh, wait for the end for the good geez. stuff. You said you didn't want any of the outside stuff. <laughs> oh, my God, I want it, Michael. Anyway, all the links Jeez. to Michael's uh, spots on the web are in the description. They're also in the show notes on our Discord server, which is also everywhere if you can't find it let me know we will see you next week thanks for listening i forget who our guest is john, john chadwick from uh, drawing out the spirits podcast excellent co-host so that'll be really good so good night everyone thank you so much thank you michael thank you Nish. thank you michael all right